This week's podcast brought to you by Bait Pouches. The other night before bed, our nine-year-old came in and asked me a question. I think maybe it was if she could stay up later, and I said no. And then she asked me another question, and then once again I said no. And she asked me a third question, and I said no. And her response was just, are you all out of yeses? Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, I don't know if this has happened to any of our listeners, but uh, the other morning you and I went for a run, and on the run you had something you needed to talk to me about, which was never a good sign, and it was... Um, it don't was... say it like that, though. It's not like I said I have something to talk to you about. We were in, after our run, when we were walking on our, on our cool down, we were having a conversation, and, and I said, oh, that reminds me of something. Are we having a cool down? Is that what we call uh, it? Well, we were walking, like, after our run. So anyway, proceed. So you know what I'm talking about. I think I do, because yeah. we certainly don't prepare or plan any of this podcast. Um, and it was my appalling behavior of the night before, or actually my appalling behavior in the middle of the night, in your dream. <laughs> yeah, well, we were walking. I said, oh, that reminds me. I had this dream, and in my dream, um, I don't know, you had come into the room and raised the temperature of the room a little bit. Mm, <laughs> and, and go on. With your with an, uh, a level of anger, oh. and uh, in my dream, I had this like angrily say to you, like, "Get out of here! You're raising the temperature in here. It's already things are already heated, and the kids were in there, and I was trying to calm the situation down." Again, this was all in my well, dream. Well, anyway, knowing what's best for me, I apologize to you for my behavior in your dream, <laughs> which was completely unnecessary. It's just you know, it was one of those times where. Um, like, it's not like I woke up remembering that dream. It's just uh, whatever we were talking about as we were walking triggered, oh my gosh, I remember I had this dream last night. And so I said to you, like, I hope this doesn't upset you, but this was my dream last night. I got mad at you in my dream. Of course, I wasn't looking for an apology, but... Uh, you were looking for some accounting of my actions and you were extrapolating <laughs> my behavior in your dream to real life. But anyway. Well, it's, it was a plausible dream. I'll leave it. I'll leave it there. <laughs> it's something that could have. It's not. You know. It's there, as opposed you to have some as dreams. opposed to to dream the implausible dream. <laughs> there are some dreams where when you wake up, you're like, "What? That was really weird. That could never happen. That would never happen." This particular dream, all of the things I just described, it wouldn't be completely out of the realm of possibility for. One, for you to come into the room and raise the temperature of it. And two, for me to then <laughs> tell you, get out of the room. <laughs> it wouldn't be out of the question for me to come into the room and literally raise the temperature of it because I like it 68 degrees and you like it 85 degrees. That part is true as well. Yeah, you say dream the implausible dream. <laughs> the other day I had to call, I don't remember even what it was, uh, but it was a business. I, it might have been a bank or something like that last week and I was put on hold and um and my favorite was uh when they the 
the recorded voice said, in this unprecedented, unprecedented time of uncertainty. Unprecedented time of uncertainty? In this unprecedented time of uncertainty. It may have been followed by our, your hold times may be longer than usual. <laughs> but yes, I just like the phrase, unprecedented time of uncertainty. Do you, do you, is that a phrase down. that you, I mean, totally doubles down. It gets like almost all of the buzzwords yeah. that we've been hearing constantly since uh, since COVID started all in, in this one deeply sentence. disquieting time of disturbance. Well, we've got some exciting news to share. Exciting for whom? I don't, I don't know if it's exciting. I don't know exactly what it is. Um, but we were spending some time with, with my sister and her family and uh, and they have been on a search for a puppy for the last uh, few weeks. And while we were together, they got approved to adopt the puppy that that they were excited about. And how about this for fate? So the puppy, the puppy's name was is Lobo. And uh, so they didn't name it that. They didn't name it that. No, and they went looking uh, for dogs, and they were doing this online to rescue a dog. And uh, this but, dog's name was Lobo. So they applied. But more than that, this dog is a husky from Tennessee, named Lobo. It's a well, a hus yes, a husky mix, husky shepherd mix. But yes, a husky from Tennessee of all places named Lobo. So we were together with with my sister and her family when they found out that they got uh, they were approved to adopt this puppy. So they, you know, she has a couple of kids. They were thrilled about it, really exciting. Our kids were excited for them. So anyway, the next day when when my sister was showing us information about about this adorable little um, husky shepherd puppy uh, named Lobo, we saw that Lobo was um, inseparable from his sister, Kasha. And um, because we are either not very smart or gluttons for punishment, we applied to adopt Kasha. And uh, there were lots and lots of applications. There were over, my sister told me there was over 100 people um, you know, applied for approval to get Lobo. Do you think they tell this to everybody? They might. I don't know. Um, but we found out yesterday, the day before, that we have been approved <laughs> to adopt um, Kasha. And anyone who's listened to this podcast knows how much you you love and adore our current dog, Jesse. So uh, well, on Thursday, a previ- on a previous run, when when you weren't accusing me of awful behavior, just in your a week dream, ago, just a week ago, just a week ago, I was. Uh, inquiring as I occasionally do the canine actuarial tables to see how long uh, Jesse was likely to continue uh, to be with us continue to be with us and calculating whether she would outlive me and uh, you said that your and I think my uh, love for Jesse was such that um, there could be, never be another Jesse could never be another Jesse nor could there ever be another dog in our in our house and that Jesse was the only dog we would ever have yeah and i was completely sincere when we were having this conversation but, but and that then, was 5 days ago that was 5 days ago and then just like when also I, when we were pre-approved for this new dog how many applicants did they say that there had been for that dog well we it wasn't alone we didn't get pre-approved um, they said there was lots of applicants for this for this dog as well, but I think they said there were over one hundred. But just like um, and and how do you? Uh, it sounds like we we need to get pre-approved for a loan, considering all of the various 
They did say in this unprecedented time of uncertainty. But um, but just like with Jesse, like when I saw the the information on this dog and the picture of this dog, it just like spoke to me. I, I believed that we were supposed to have this dog. So we get we get approved to adopt the dog from Tennessee. She's a rescue. We're picking her up Thursday of this week. When I was talking to the woman from the dog rescue um, about Kasha, she's Kasha and Lobo both had been have been living. Um, she, the, Kasha is 13 weeks, so she's very much a puppy. Uh, has been living with the the woman from the rescue since she was eight weeks old. Anyway, <laughs> I asked her, you know, is the dog house trained? No, crate trained? No. And not only is the dog not house trained, which I wouldn't expect. I mean, she's a puppy. We're going to have to house train her, but. I asked, I said, has she ever been in your house? And the woman said, no. She said, down here, people for the most part keep their dogs outside. So she's been outside um, in a kennel and uh, kenneled with her brother. I think in accordance um, with that, we should honor her um, (laughs) wishes and keep her outside. That's what she's used to. And she is a husky, so part husky. So she has the, she's built to be out in the cold. So she can be an outdoor dog even in January. Not having had a dog as a kid, I always assumed that all dogs lived outdoors. Snoopy had a doghouse. Most dogs, Tiger on the Brady Bunch had a doghouse. Did you think- And those dogs lived in a doghouse. Did you think most of those dogs like Snoopy slept on top of the doghouse? And flew World War One airplanes. <laughs> so anyway, this is going to be a, a huge adventure. Our kids are beside themselves excited, especially our youngest too. We've been watching all kinds of dog videos, um, training s- videos on how to train. Because we, when we got Jessie, she was over a year. So she was house trained. Uh, she was crate trained. Uh, we've never had to train a puppy. We really so. haven't been watching all kinds of dog training videos. You've been watching all kinds of of the same dog training video from the same people anyway, two Canadian dog trainers. And I believe it was one of them who used a phrase we'd never heard before, but it seems integral to training a puppy. And that was, he kept talking, he or she kept referring to the bait pouch. (laughs) Go into your bait pouch and reward the dog for this behavior. Everything you do involves feeding them, of course, yes. to reinforce their behavior. But but before you can feed them, you have to go into your bait pouch. And, and then you like present it or whatever. The lure, the lure, present the yeah, lure. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, a fisherman-like. Yes. Uh, it's and like, we, like, a, like a marsupial fisherman who has a bait pouch. And we've, we've we made our list of the things, um, and we're going to do that on Wednesday. We're going to go to... <laughs> The fortunately in the town where we live, we have a great um, pet store, and we're gonna go there. and uh, And one of the things we added to the list, along with like a puppy crate and some puppy food and some other things, a collar and a leash, um, is a <laughs> a bait pouch. And I just can't wait to see. You think you'll you'll? Well, you I can ever bait, persuade I, you. I, to I put will have on nothing to do pouch. with taking care of it, raising this puppy or training this puppy. But but will you get me a bait pouch anyway? <laughs> Yeah, I'll get you a bait pouch. You won't. You can use it for bait or not for bait. I know fanny packs are still in vogue, right? Well, I wear mine, whether or not our, our kids don't think it's in vogue. Okay, and, well, but I, I wear mine. I, I'm going to wear a bait pouch. <laughs> are you going to wear it bandolier style, like Megan Rapinoe? No, or no, are you going to wear I'm it on the waist? A, I'm, I, I want whatever gives me quickest access to bait. <laughs> And again, this I I am setting this up to initially absolutely be a disaster, um, but 
I think I, I I can't wait to see this dog. We've seen pictures of her. She she definitely looks more like a husky than a shepherd. She has one blue eye, one brown eye. Um, she's beautiful, and um, and we will most likely keep the name Kasha that she comes with. My sister said she feels self conscious. Like how do I keep the name Lobo? Like walking around the neighborhood, I'll be calling, you know, Lobo Kamir when that's my maiden last name. Like. Um, but we will most likely keep uh, keep ours. Although you you might end up turning her name into Damn Dog. But uh, well, the dog we'll has see. two different colored eyes. So the two famous people that we can think of with the different color eyes are Max Scherzer, the great Washington Nationals pitcher, and David Bowie. So we could um, we could call her Max Bow, combining the two. Lobo and Max Bow. No, combining. Um, I understand. David Bowie. Yes. And Max Scherzer. Oh, we could call it David Scherzer. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a great name for a dog. And somebody asked us, how do they get the dogs up from Tennessee? Do they give them doggy downers or what I thought of as canine quaaludes? <laughs> I certainly hope not, but... Uh, I don't know. The one thing they said is when they get off, um, when you pick them up and, and they get off the truck, they said, bring, bring baby wipes and towels because... You know, they've been in the truck, even though they'll have been stopped and given water and walked, they might have an accident in their trailer. So when you pick up your new dog, it may be encrusted in its own feces. <laughs> I don't think I had told you that part yet. And if I could get a picture of your face, this is one of the reasons we're not bringing you with us, the kids and I, when we pick up. Encrusted, new... did you say? <laughs> yes. Okay. So when the kids and I go pick up our new puppy um, on Thursday morning, we won't bring you with us, and I'll, and I'll do my best to get it clean before you um, get to meet her. The the encrustation will have been taken care of. <laughs> yes, and I've uh, I will be the one who gets up with her if she needs to, which of course she will overnight before she's uh, house trained. But um, at least we'll be able to have a puppy segment on every podcast going forward. I think forward. The, the podcast should just become a puppy podcast. So, we, we, um, we will have segued seamlessly our... from. Of being a puzzle podcast, to being a cat food podcast, to being a puppy podcast. What's the name of our resident dog walker? I just know her as resident dog walker, Resi- but hopefully, R- RDW. She can, hopefully she can um, send some good, helpful uh, puppy tips if she has them to oh. our our uh, email, which is ball and chain podcast that or ball and chain pod which one is it ball and chain podcast right at gmail.com when we get to viewer mail i'll read that out loud and clear i don't know it off the top of my head you just said it every single podcast i, for I the said last most two podcasts years. but i certainly <laughs> i can't keep track of my own emails are you guys serious about this stuff as a rebecca lobo set shot glass all right now i feel like i need to do a quick wnba update um in the last week a lot actually has gone on within the league number one is people who've been following the story about maya moore um, who has taken off the last two WNBA seasons in her pursuit um, of trying to help her friend Jonathan Irons um, get released from prison uh, because she felt, and it ends up so, have, so did the courts, that he was wrongfully 
convicted and um and he was released from prison this past week and um it was it was uh shared via social media um the video of him coming out and, and meeting his family and meeting up with Maya and they were both since on uh, Good Morning America being interviewed by Robin Roberts but a huge story i mean think about Maya Moore and and giving up two years of the prime of her WNBA career to devote herself to this and this past uh, winter, when the national team um, played against UConn at the XL Center, and it was a game that I covered, at halftime, um, a, one of the UConn championship teams was honored, and it was a team that Maya was on. And uh, b- between the practices and the game that night, Holly Rowe and I were having dinner um, in the hotel lobby, and Maya came by, and we talked to her for 45 minutes to an hour about this. And um, she was just giving us an update on on where his case was. And it's just truly something she is um, really, really passionate about and how grateful or or just not, grateful is not the right word. Just um, she must just feel so good about the outcome of this and and devoting two years of her life and not playing basketball to help him get so many years of his life back in terms of time he would have spent in prison if not for Maya Moore. Um, And then the WNBA players got to IMG Academy in the last couple of days. And people who have been following things on Twitter, on Instagram, not all of the players are thrilled right now with their accommodations. So this is a story we'll have to uh, follow. I know some players are actually very happy with uh, their accommodations. Some are not because they're they're much different. There's a, a variety of places the players are staying. But Asia Durr, who is a second-year player for the New York Liberty, is not playing this season because she was diagnosed with COVID-19 um, back in June and is still feeling the ill effects of it. So anyway, the, the, as we learn more and more about the WNBA season, at least the players now are in Florida, in Bradenton, and um, we're eager to see what the, uh, the next step in the, in the process is going to be. This past weekend, like many people, I'm sure you and I watched um, Hamilton on Disney Plus. You, you and I got to see it in um, in Boston. Was that about a year ago? A year and a half, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so we had seen it before. Our uh, our older kids have listened to the soundtrack, but uh, but everybody, we sat down as a family and watched. You said it. you and I. It was the kids got to see it. They had never seen it before. We saw it. We saw it. We got to, I mean, we watched it with them. Um, But it was just interesting for me in particular that I was sitting next to our nine-year-old and all of the questions that she was asking as we were watching it. And um, and one of the the things that cracked me up was she said, um, she was asking about the actor playing George Washington. And she said, why isn't he wearing a wig? <laughs> like George Washington had a wig. Why wasn't he wearing a wig? And that that got her to then ask me, can you look up on Google a picture of George Washington without his wig? First of all, there's no photographs from that time. But um, I said, I'll but try. She really wanted but... to see George Washington without his wig. Right. Was he, he did wear a wig, I guess. I never gave that any thought. That George Washington wore yeah. a wig? Yeah. And so because the uh, actor uh, playing him didn't wear a wig. And, and, and no part of her... That was the part of of the physical resemblance that that she didn't understand. Why isn't the actor wearing a white wig? George Washington wore a white wig. Think of how wig-intensive America used to be, particularly 
politics. There was an entire Whig party with an right. H. Yeah. I don't know if any of them wore wigs, but the founding fathers were all they all wore wigs. Wig wearers, were they not? They were well, not really. I mean, Ben Franklin, he was was that he all kind natural? of a kind of a eighteenth century comb over, didn't he? I don't know. I mean, oh, natural means he's, he's nude, naked. doesn't it? <laughs> I meant like hair natural. I don't know. Um, was Ben Franklin oh natural? <laughs> only only in that dream I yes, was having yes. the other night. <laughs> and and then our daughter, our youngest, our nine year old. I was asking her because my dad had taken her to see a Broadway show, show off Broadway in Connecticut at the Bushnell Theater. A Broadway show at a beautiful theater in Hartford. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's spectacular. Not an off Broadway right, show. Right. A Broadway show, but not on Broadway. And um, and so I said to her the other night, I said, "Which play did you see with Dampa?" And she said, "SpongeBob the Musical." And then she said, "I think it was the original cast." <laughs> Because that's that's what it said on the commercial, and I just thought that was hysterical. Because we go from talking about Hamilton and this was the original cast and all this information, and then I saw SpongeBob the Musical. I think it was the original cast. <laughs> that struck Those me as funny. Big square pants to fill. The other thing our nine-year-old asked me as we were watching Hamilton, she said, um, and we were kind of talking about, you know, that, that's Lin Manuel Miranda. He is the one who wrote the show. He also stars in the show, and she said. If he walked into a store, would you recognize him? And I said, yes, I would recognize him. He's very recognizable and he's very famous. And she said, even with his mask on? (laughs) And I said, well, if he had a mask on, I may not. Fair point. (laughs) Because fortunately, we are in a state where people are required to wear masks in stores. So, of course, if he was in Connecticut... He would, and in a store, he would have a mask on. Well, he and he went to college in Connecticut at Wesleyan. I, I, I think I would recognize if he had the ponytail. I think I'd recognize him. Yeah, I would reckon you'd recognize him even without the ponytail, because I mean, even in um, if we were it, singing Hamilton, I would definitely recognize. But was it him. Mary Poppins Returns? Which was the movie? Yes. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have the ponytail in that. He just is a super recognizable. But it is said guy. starring Lin Manuel Miranda on the poster and at the start of the movie. In which one? Mary Poppins Returns. So you knew it was him. Right. But I'm just saying, even his look in that movie is distinctive. So even if he had the short hair like he does in Mary Poppins Returns, he still looks very much like himself. He, uh, he bears an uncanny resemblance to himself. I agree with you. And um, I think I've, I've talked about this before. When I One of the years where I filled out a bracket with President Obama at the White House, it was the day after um, Lin-Manuel Miranda had been there um, and they were doing like a freestyle rap. There were people, I don't know if they were in the Rose Garden or exactly where they were, and people were just um, holding up uh, signs with words and he was freestyling with it. But that was the day before I got there. So President Obama and I, as we were waiting for um, ESPN, the cameras and everything to be perfect, and we were just chatting a little bit, we talked about uh, that visit the day before. Not to take undue credit or anything, but... This is definitely the room where it happened. We have a decent amount of viewer mail to get to, so shall we get to that? Yes, please. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Our first viewer mail comes to us. Let's see, what does it come to us? What, what, what is our viewer mail address, Rebecca? What did you think it was? I thought it was ballandchainpod at gmail.com. That's correct. I don't yeah. even have to read it. Ballandchainpod at gmail.com. It comes... From uh, Michael, he writes, Dear Stephen Rebecca, greetings from McLean, Virginia. 
I usually write to you from Santo Domingo, but due to the coronavirus, we had to move back to the U.S. when the numbers became too high in the Dominican Republic. Imagine coming back to the U.S. because the numbers were too high elsewhere. Right, exactly. To begin, I hope this finds you well. Below is some July 4th doggerel inspired by Rebecca's father's dangling dice. <laughs> I love that something's been inspired by my de- father's dangling this poem dice. Well, he is a was poet. inspired Let's by your father's it. dangling dice. Well, we'll see if he's a poet. Ahoy! The fish and chips were angling, whilst the stars and stripes were spangling. Rebecca's father's dice were dangling. And in the wrong drawer, the garlic press was jangling. This rigmarole is mangling, a tongue-tied untangling. Enjoy the day. I remain Michael. Michael, that's fantastic. I think that is... He's our resident poet, right? He's our our, our poet laureate. Uh, can can you, do you read think that, that one is, more time, just straight? Do you through? think that is the best ode to your father's dangling dice oh, ever I, written? I, I certainly hope it's the only ode yes, to my well, father's dangling see. dice. Well, let's hear it one more okay. time. Ahoy! Exclamation mark! The fish and chips were angling, whilst the stars and stripes were spangling. Rebecca's father's dice were dangling, and in the wrong drawer, the garlic press was jangling. This rigmarole is mangling a tongue-tied untangling. Oh, what a delight and a treat it is when we get those poems from our resident poet. Well, because of that, I'm going to skip around here. I'm just going to go to the um, the email address whose header is Garlic Presses. So let's see what uh, what Jim, our Canadian resident, resident Canadian, has to say about Garlic Presses. Hi, Stephen and Rebecca. Thanks for continu- continuing to do your podcast during the pandemic. As always, it's been a joy to listen to. Well, thanks for listening, Jim. While listening to last week's episode, my wife entered the room just as Rebecca was accusing Steve of not being able to see things right in front of him, either in a cupboard or drawer or one of the pantries. She nodded her head yes, or putting things away where they don't belong. She nods yes again. Is there a well-known affliction of male pattern blindness? Personally, I think she hides stuff in the secondary pantry just so I can't find it, and then she can return and then she can return heroically. Yes, that must be it. Well, I find that to be true, certainly. Sometimes you send me on a wild goose chase for an item that's not there, and then you remember where it is, and then you get it. I, I don't get any credit for the thing unfound, even though I've gone on the the wild goose chase for that. However, that's I digress. Let me continue with Jim's email. A garlic press exists because it's nearly impossible to get the garlic smell off your hands after chopping it. Well, I guess that makes sense. Is that that's why yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yep. The same problem doesn't exist for carrots or onions as much so. So no need for presses for either of those vegetables. We used a garlic press for ages, but have switched to buying minced garlic in a jar and then measuring out what we need. It's even easier than using a press. Regarding Pam sticks, most grocers sell Pam sticks in the dairy section. They're in a four-pack box labeled butter. (laughs) You know what? Fair point. So that's why I think those are called Bam Pam Rollons, right? Not Ban Rollons, but Pam Rollons. Ban yeah. Rollons actually yeah. existed. Well, exactly, but but and then they banned them. Pam Rollons are butter. Thank you, Jim. I leave it to our resident Canadian Canadian resident. I'm sorry, our Canadian resident resident Canadian to yes. crystallize my thoughts exactly. Bob writes uh, popularity exclamation mark and he just encloses a photo from the July 2nd, 2020 Chicago Sun-Times. It's a crossword, and he doesn't contain the crossword. He just has the clues here. The number one, the very first clue, one across, basketball Hall of Famer, Rebecca. You know what? One of my, I think, and we may have already mentioned this, one of my friends sent me, I think it was from the USA Today crossword, but it was uh, basketball analyst, Rebecca ah, Blank. So. It used to be WNBA 
star Rebecca blank. Yeah. We have the, we have a frame. I think it was a New York Times crossword oh. in 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 a bathroom in our house. Yes. So if you're idly uh, sitting in the bathroom. You can visually solve that crossword Fortunately. puzzle. Fortunately, where it's located, you can't see it when you're seated. You have to be washing your hands at the sink in order to get a good eye full of uh, that crossword. Uh, Dear Restiva writes, uh, Stephanie um, in Ohio. My wife and I are longtime listeners of the podcast and love the weekly episodes. I want to thank you. I went to make brunch on the 4th of July and opened the egg carton to the most bizarre placement of eggs and said out loud that Rebecca would be so proud because the carton was perfectly balanced and not too heavy on one end see the attached picture and here indeed is a a um a beautifully balanced egg carton and that's something i learned from you i used to just put them in neat orderly rows and i learned from you that it's better to have them spread out and evenly balanced i mean i say this is well balanced it's not i would have i would have done things a little differently but um but still it's it's hard to argue with this placement it's good egg placement and Maybe we can post the picture later. Uh, we would love to add swag to our, our fridge and co- and or coffee table. We'll send swag out in the next go-around of swag. Uh, keep up the weekly banner. We just love it. Thank you, Stephanie. And uh, kudos on the egg placement. John's email is headlined rigmarole. Hi, Rebecca and Steve. I love when you talked about rigmarole. My dad used that saying all of his life, and I totally loved hearing it. He passed about two years ago, and your banter about rigmarole brought those memories back. I just finished Knights of White Castle and loved it. Thank you, John. Can't wait for your next book, Steve. I can't wait to write it. Thanks for the podcast during this time of craziness. It's nice to be able to laugh and just put the outside world aside each week for the time I get to listen to you. Keep posting and stay safe, John. And thank you, John, in the 770 area code. Um, do you do you know area codes off off heart off, off some the of them head? some of them I know. Do you know the seven seven zero area code? I don't think so. I think seven one three is like Virginia, right? Northern Virginia. Uh, that's that one. That's in my wheelhouse. Um, seven seven zero is in North Georgia. I wonder if that is uh, Dr. Gary Siegel country. Speaking of Dr. Gary Siegel, he writes, "Hey Steve, uh, attached is a good article. I hope that you'll have a chance to read it." The Met 35W, I feel at home hearing about those things. It's um, an article uh, from the New York Times about Rod Carew and racism. Rod Carew, the great twins, uh, uh, beautiful, pure hitter of the 1970s and our one kind of uh, great twin of the 1970s, um, has a new book out. And I look forward to reading that. So um, thank you, Dr. Siegel. I will read that article from the Times. And I'm just going to throw in 713 is actually a Houston area code. 703 is Northern Virginia. That's what I was thinking of. Um, Ralph sends us uh, an article from the Washington Post. I somehow missed this one. Alexa, just shut up. We've been isolated for months and now we hate our home assistants. Did you read that by any chance? I have not, but now I want to. I I look forward to that. Um, And uh, we've been unplugging our home assistant. Have we not? Because you've, you've... been the subject of I'm some more surveillance up. by I'm your fed home up assistant. With what, our what, home assistant. What, what have been? Yeah, there was more surveillance this past week. Oh, this is what it was. So my sister was over and we were talking about her new puppy. And the next day, I get an email that just says, are you looking to buy animal insurance? I've never gotten this kind of an email before. But we were in the kitchen talking in a place where Alexa was plugged in. And then uh, talking about her getting a puppy, and the next day I get an email for animal insurance. So, yes, we've been unplugging. Uh, This comes from Ken, our friend Ken, uh, in our town here. 
And he writes, I wanted to share with you the attached photo of our coronavirus quarantine 2020 family project. 1,000 pieces, none missing. And it is a photo of their family, a beautiful family photo, but turned into a jigsaw puzzle. A thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. Imagine uh, doing the puzzle of yourself and if one of those pieces were missing. And I, I think our family... Would probably sabotage our efforts oh, in that our regard. Kids, like once, if they were upset with one of us, they would all of a sudden we'd be missing an ear or a piece of our thigh or something else. Uh, Ken adds, in last week's episode, you discussed how difficult it is for men to find things in the fridge. My theory is that whoever places something in the refrigerator, they know exactly where it is placed, so it's easy for them to find it. However, since I didn't put them in the fridge, I may not even know what the container looks like. So it isn't as easy for us to find it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Well, that's absolutely the case. Um, you were just saying today, I thought we had salsa in the fridge. And I said, we do have salsa in the fridge. Well, where is it? It's not where you put it. No, because somebody else has used it in the meantime and, and put it in a different place. Do you remember? And, and, do you and remember? the fridge is one giant Jenga puzzle. Yes. So when you take one piece out, it, it, another piece comes out. You can't refit them all together in the way that uh, they were originally. But do you remember what you said when I asked, I said, where's the salsa? I can't see it. And do you remember what your response was? Maybe in the pantry. And I said, well, I hope it's not in the pantry because it's already been opened. And um, I know in that couple of seconds until I moved things around and found the salsa, salsa, I know you were worried that, oh, no, did I put it away in the pantry? <laughs> right? Oh, no, absolutely. Or you were... You weren't listening. You no, have no listening. idea what I, I just what asked you. Just you? Say? Well, I was reading. I was reading the rest of Ken's email. <laughs> you look like a kid who's been called on in class, yeah. but was daydreaming. Yes. Um, I think uh, the Great Gatsby is about a great man named Gatsby. Oh my gosh! Read the next one. I'm sorry. What did you say? I I, it I, I honestly didn't hear a thing you said, I and yet know. I and yet I answered your question. I know. How I just. Just How read. terrible is that? I'm just sorry. Read. Okay. Well, no. I just wanted to say that Ken informs us that he's hosting a. He has been hosting a conversations on race in the park in our local park. It gives our local residents an opportunity to ask questions and to learn more about life as a black person in America. Uh, the next one, now this is passed, was Sunday, July 5th at noon. You're welcome to bring a lawn chair so we can be socially distant. So, uh, Does he say when the next one uh, is? We'll or? find out when the next one is. Okay. Wow, that's but, uh, fantastic. Great, great Ken. Know, Ken. Thank you. Uh, this last viewer mail comes in from a Carol. And uh, Carol in the UK, Southeast London. Love it. Love to hear from Southeast London. And Northeast. Uh, my north, uh, my friends in, in, in North London. Um, hi, Stephen Rebecca. I have listened to your podcast for the past couple of years, and it never fails to make me laugh. Thank you, Carol. My 16-year-old daughter, Tamarin, has recently heard a few of your podcasts after some lengthy car trips together. Oh, this is never... This That's never a beautiful well. name. Tamron, how do you T-A-M- spell it? T-A-M-R-Y-N. Wow, I really like that. Uh, after some lengthy car trips together and has become a fan. Oh, that's nice and refreshing to hear. Yes, it is. Uh, unusual for the 16-year-olds to, <laughs> to be a fan, including in our own house. Uh, I think hearing Rebecca's experiences with teensplaining won her over. I made eye contact with her during this bit, and she looked at me and said, You see, I'm not the only one. I'm a huge fan of women's basketball, both college, go UConn, and WNBA. My daughter has become a fan, too, and as a result, she's currently planning a research project on, quote, the obstacles that women's team sports need to overcome to gain more recognition in society. Still a working title, but she wants to focus parts of her project on the WNBA. Rebecca, would you be able to please answer a few questions for my daughter as part of her research? With your experience being part of the WNBA from the beginning, your viewpoint would be appreciated. Can I give you the three questions now, Rebecca? Yeah, but I'm I'm also happy to 
email her back. Okay. The answers if well, that would be better. Since what, we're down this road. Well, well, why don't you all right, give me some of give the your thoughts now, and then maybe you can okay. respond to this email. Okay. Question one, what do you think were the main factors that the WNBA had to overcome to progress as it has the past 24 years? You know you were there from the beginning. Well, that's a meaty question that requires a meaty answer, so I will make sure to... Okay, well then now you're... you're, you're Give her a meaty answer okay. via email. So what's, okay. what's the Show second question? Question two, looking forward, what are the main obstacles the WNBA needs to tackle to raise the level of recognition of the league? So what are the challenges of the next 24 years? Well, the challenge of the next couple of months is just to hopefully get their season started. I think this is an, uh, uh, an unbelievably... Um, you know, great opportunity for the WNBA if they end up being able to play um, starting the season at the end of July, just because people are craving sports right now. Um, you know, as, as we've been dealing with no sports for the last few months because of the coronavirus. And sometimes I wonder, am I using that right in terms of coronavirus and COVID-19? COVID-19 is what you the have, disease, right? Coronavirus get, yeah. is the actual virus. So anyway, um, like if the WNBA plays uh, and plays a full season, I think it'll be a great opportunity to get a lot of exposure to get to have people who haven't watched women's basketball before um, realize how great and exciting and fun and high level it is. So uh, there could be an amazing opportunity over the course of the next few months if indeed this uh, season is able to happen. And the reason I say if is because, um, you know, if some players test positive while they're uh, at IMG Academy, you know, I don't know how the the rest of the players in the league will respond. It's still a work in progress, clearly. Mm -hmm. But um, if the season happens, I think it'll really be an opportunity for the sport to grow in terms of the attention it gets. From and the more broadly, the, the 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 players themselves have done the most important bit of the player. The players get better each year. The the level of play yes gets gets better each year. That's yeah. and that's uh, partly a function of the league being 24 yeah. years old. And that's the thing. Last year we had an amazing finals. We've had a great playoffs and finals the last few years. Last year. The finals went to five games uh, with the Washington Mystics and the Connecticut Sun. Really high level, great basketball. And like a week later, WNBA season was over, and I was watching a men's uh, an NBA preseason game and just thinking, this is terrible. You know, the, this the level of play isn't very good. Well, of course, that's the difference between preseason play and 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 coming off at the end of a season, the the high level that we were watching. What I'm interested in seeing for this WNBA season is. Most of these women are used to playing overseas, coming right to their training camp, being not only fit, but on top of their game because they've just come off of a four or five month season overseas. I'm interested to see, you know, how fit are the players? You know, how sharp are they? Because for many of them, they're not used to being off for multiple months, um, unable to get in gyms, unable to play. So, um, the, the the level of play at the beginning of the season might not be what we're accustomed to, but I think by the end of the season in the playoffs, it will be as great as we've gotten used to over the course of the last few years. Finally, what do you think are the main reasons for some WNBA franchises having huge support and large numbers in attendance at their games compared to other WNBA franchises? I think part of it is the marketing and, and what each team um, does in its own city. Um, it's interesting because, you know, Minnesota has has great fan support. Connecticut has great fan support. And that's even when, when their teams have been very good and even when their teams um, have been building. Those places still had good fan support. The same with Phoenix. Of course, you're going to have more fans when, when you're winning more games. There have been a few places that have been interesting to me. One of them is Atlanta. Even when Atlanta 
you know, for a couple of years was playing in the finals, they did not have great fan support. And I don't know if it's just because that's a much tougher market. There's so much stuff to do um, that it's hard to get people in the building. But uh, but I, I would imagine it's it's similar uh, on the NBA side. But Seattle, Phoenix, uh, they have great passionate fan bases. And, uh, and the players are really heavily involved in the community. LA is a place that went from even when their teams were good, um, just had okay fan support to now. And I think it's because the new ownership group and, and they've made more of an effort to get people in the seats. They they draw very well. New York, we'll see now that they have new ownership and uh, and not this season, of course, but in, in future seasons when they're playing in Barclays Center uh, instead of the Garden or in Westchester um, and, and with uh, a different amount of investment from that ownership group, how that will translate in terms of fans in the stands. But um but most teams um, do a really good job of engaging their community and making people want to be fans of their teams. So thanks, Carol and Tamron. So I just need to answer via email the first question. The first question. I, th- I think you great answers on the second question, but the second question on what the main obstacles uh, for the level of recognition of the league over the next decades you could you could put a little more expand on meat those. on that bone, right. I think. But um, I could put more meat on that bone, or I could chew more meat off that bone no either either one. way either one whatever whatever uh is in your bait pouch w- whatever uh <laughs> i was gonna go with ben franklin on natural but let's go with the bait yes, pouch. <laughs> ben, ben franklin on natural with except for his bait pouch <laughs> let's leave that image oh, and only a bait pouch. Let's, let's leave that image in people's heads <laughs> while we while we get played out? Yes, while we get played All out. Right. Tom Dick Harry. <laughs> For the love of out. God. <laughs> Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest It's day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.